Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Reductibus Cephala Podcast. That's the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriart Podcast Networks. And as always, we are brought to you tonight by the delicious Deadly Grounds Coffee. Very spooky, spooky coffee and also delicious. I'm your host, Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson. And uh, though I am sadly cohortless tonight... Uh, Nintendo and 8-Bit Alchemy are, are on sabbatical. Actually, that's not even true. 8-Bit Alchemy right now is on his honeymoon. So let's just, he's at Mardi Gras right now. So that's pretty cool. So that's a pretty awesome reason to not be on the show. But anyway, uh, I am here tonight with a super awesome guest, a returning guest into the brig. <clears throat> Almost coughed there. The brig. There it is again. Tonight. We have returning guest. She's a multi-multi-award winning dark fiction author, screenwriter, professor, and poet with novels in the psychological horror, mystery, dark romance genres. And she's won the Golden Stake Award for her novel, The Promise Keeper, and like a million other things. It's like every two seconds, every two seconds, I get a ding on Facebook. It's like, oh, she won another one. Oh, she won another one. Oh, she won another one. It's like literally every two seconds. She's the founder of the Speculative Fiction Academy in English and uh, the creative writing professor and a horror scholar, and I probably am forgetting like 25 other things. It's Elle Marie Wood. Welcome hey. back to the show, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had you on uh, last season, uh, right mm -hmm. at the beginning of last season, and you were promoting your book, The Black Hole. And tonight you actually have two books to promote and it's super fun because they are companion pieces so let's get to that a little bit later first the elephant in the room you have some amazing news you just found out about an hour ago yes <laughs> <laughs> do you want to say it or should i um well i mean i mean i think i think I'll, I'll tell you what it's my show i'll say it I'll, yes. i'm you're you're gonna be too humble anyway I so <laughs> so <laughs> you are officially on the final ballot for the 2022 Bram Stoker Awards, not once, but twice. Lisa, <laughs> you are officially running against yourself. Yeah. Um, and you you are in the superior achievement in short nonfiction category. You have two pieces. Um, how do you feel right now? like elated completely i just wow like i never expected to see that happen i mean i'm i'm really floored uh, to be honest like, i'm getting my words together i mean it's I crazy literally literally an hour ago you sent me a text not even yeah that yeah. because the preliminary ballot came out about a month ago and some of those people won't make the final ballot mm -hmm. and so and and we knew that today was like 
the, the date that they gave as like, maybe it'll be out today. Maybe the final battle to be out today. So you must've been like, just going crazy all day, like waiting for this. And all week, because you know, you try not to think about sure. it at all, but you know, not think saying don't think about it means you're thinking about it, and right. it's always there, and it's just an undercurrent of everything else you're trying to do. Right. And you and I talked earlier, maybe I don't know, six, seven hours ago, and I was like, Yeah, no, no, I'm not thinking about it. Sure, I was thinking about it, but I was trying not to. <laughs> you know? Damn, dirty liar. You said, oh, it's coming up soon. I'm like, oh, I think it's today. And I'm like, I've been timing it to the 23rd. Of course I know it's <laughs> of today. Of course I know it's today. Exactly what day it is. And I kept thinking it's not going to come out today. And how am I going to like go to sleep tonight? Yeah, and then, right. You know, but I don't. I found out. And it's crazy because I was, you know, had gone through the whole day. And then I was in the car when the ballot came out. So I didn't see the email. <laughs> all that weird I'm checking but not checking my email mm -hmm. thing that I was doing, this little dance all day, I actually had pulled myself away from. And then my phone starts lighting up and I'm afraid then. I'm like, oh no, mm. it's either, ooh, check it. You're gonna be amazed or, oh, I'm so sorry, you have to check it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't even want to see it. But right. I did check it and I checked it at a light and I was like screaming in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so great. Well, congratulations. We are super happy for you. That's that's just amazing news. I mean, you know, I I, I can't imagine what it must feel like it's, to not even just be on once, but you're on like against yourself in this category, which means you got a leg up. Uh, you got a leg I up. Don't I don't know. There are three other amazing writers in there. I'm competing against myself and my friends. You know, that's kind of mm, uh, right. weird, but it's still okay. kind of amazing at the same time. You know, it's like, don't I am telling now my new mantra is don't overthink it. Just go with mm -hmm. it. You're here. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are. But mm -hmm. these two pieces are amazing. I had such a good time creating both of them that I'm, I'm just, I'm honored that other people thought that they were, you know, worthy enough for, this nomination because it's important yeah. work and it's it was interesting and fun work to top it off. So yeah, I'm pumped. Right. Hell yeah, you should be. You should be damn pumped. Um, mm -hmm. so so one of them, the first one is the H word, the horror of hair, which is a nonfiction piece that was published in Nightmare magazine. And that was issue 118, came out last year. And uh, that that piece is actually available on their website. If you guys want to read that, it is available. It's a uh, it's a short little piece. I read I read it today. It's very cool. And uh, I would ask you to read it, but we already we already planned on a different reading. We you guys are going to get a reading from Lisa tonight, so that's that's <laughs> going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the the so that's one of your nominations. The other one being, this is so cool. I, I had no idea that you uh, did textbooks at, at all. Like I knew you were in academia and you taught classes, but so this is called, it's a little bit of a mouthful. <clears throat> Let me just get ready. Uh, African-American horror authors and their craft, the evolution of horror fiction from African folklore. And that is a nonfiction textbook from Conjure World, uh, which is a press run by B. Sharice Moore. And um so this is, uh, according to Amazon, so this is a deep dive into the study of horror fiction with importance placed on knowing the history of, of the genre and how integral to storytelling research is. Um, this is this is so cool. You, you literally write every type of thing that one could possibly write, including textbooks. So how do, how do you, how does the pendulum swing for you? Like how on earth do you like, you're like, I'm going to write this like, you know, short novel or this 
this poem or and then over here the next day you're like no i'm gonna i'm gonna write a textbook here <laughs> right i mean yeah it's 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 odd because i don't sit down and say i'm gonna write one or the other but because you know i write screenplays and poetry also I, I want to write a graphic novel that's the one thing i have not like deliberately sat down and written um i've had like one short story that was someone made the graphic novel out of but Oh, that's cool. Story out of? I'm not sure. I don't know. Not, not a full-on novel, but it was like graphic story, I guess. That's what, Hey, that. that counts. Kind of fun. Yeah, it was really, really neat. But I have never said, okay, this is what I'm writing specifically and put that down. Mm -hmm. So that's a goal. Um, but <clears throat> I definitely, I think about something I might want to read. Like the horror of hair was something I wanted to research, you know? Um, it's funny because both of these pieces really speak to me. The, the horror of hair talks about women and their hair and the, you know, but, but, but from a horror perspective and how it can be used and, and it's, it's not an unheard of genre because it's body, it's body horror. Right. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the, the mouthful, we just talked about African-American horror authors and their craft. <laughs> well, I mean, that's me. So, you know, right. it was like research about myself and where, where, where people who've come before me have, you know, have opened up the path for me to be able to do what I do today. So, in, in any of the any of the writing that I've done has just been a matter of what do I feel like reading? Oh, I can't find that. Sure, then I guess I'm writing it. And mm. so, <laughs> especially with the nonfiction work, um, because that doesn't come as easily, and I, none of it comes easily to me. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't come as quickly. Maybe that's better. There's more research that needs to be done, you know, yeah. for me to be able to, to put down words that make any sense and will make sense to anybody else. Um, with Nonfiction with, with a short fiction, you know, I usually can think about something that's scary and then write it and have a good time doing it. But you know, there's research with the other stuff, so that typically comes from a place of me wanting to read something and not being able to find any material that is suitable. So I made it nice, and you know, I like I like the idea just overall of you know, it's a book about research. I mean, that sounds. You know, I don't know if that sounds like interesting to everybody, but it's a book about research. It's a how to read. Uh, it's so important. It's so important. It's ridiculous. And uh, I, you know, a, as an author, I always hate the uh, the old adage of you know the the write what you know thing. And I I've always fought against that. And I'm like, no, like I I mean, there's always going to be part of you in the thing, whatever it is. Like you said, um, there's always going to be part of your experiences and you and and whatever. But you know, why, why pigeonhole yourself to just your experiences anyway? Like, you know, spread your wings, learn some stuff, you know, do, do the research. It's so, it's so freaking important. And it always, it always for me has paid off. I mean, mm -hmm. like right now I'm writing uh, a short story collection. Actually, I wanted to talk to you about this off here, but it's, it's in the show now. So, so you, you tonight are presenting two, two books to us that just came out and they are companion pieces. They're two books of short stories. And I know that the short stories, at least in one of them, connect in some way. There's a connective tissue to right. the short stories. So it's not as if it's it's all the same characters, but it's it's a connect there's a connective line there. And so I'm doing something eh, uh, you know, ballpark similar to that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like a high concept, but it's all it's all uh, weird western stuff. Oh and, cool. wow. and this is like been hard and oh. I, I i love i love writing in the genres i love so i, I like westerns i i'm happy to write horror westerns 
However, uh, I'm trying to write something that is, you know, I always, I always try to write something you haven't read before. I always try to push uh, diversity. I always try to get a different angle. And uh, I, I also don't want to have uh, like all gunfighters or something like right, that. You know, right, I'm, right, right. I'm, I'm in more interested in like, you know, different types of characters in that regard. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm trying to, with each story, I'm trying to learn about something that I didn't know about beforehand mm -hmm. and then researching the crap out of that the one i'm writing currently right now I'm, i learned so much about what it was like to uh to hunt buffalo because i wanted oh. my characters to kind of like be unlikable from the get-go and like making mm -hmm. them hunt buffalo you're like wow there's nothing i can do to like these guys you know <laughs> without making them like caricature evil you know it's like uh -huh. you, know, you know so so it's just it's just fun the research has been uh really really rewarding and really um kind of slow at times because it does yeah. stop the process you're like oh okay well um i'm at this part where i gotta talk about a thing that i have no idea about i don't actually know what it's like to like what sort of shops were there in that time if somebody's walking into town and i want to mention a shop it's like uh it's just just whorehouses and saloons and dry goods is that it it's like no there's other stuff you gotta like read about it right, so anyway, right. um you know it's it's just it's just been interesting so anyway I digress. Yeah, that's, that's the good stuff. Yeah. That's the good stuff. And that is writing. You know, you even though you may not be putting words on a paper to further the story, the, you know, the actual text, the prose itself, mm -hmm. you're still taking the notes, learning, you're forming your characters, you're creating, you're like world building, you're creating your whole story right. with that research. And I think, you know, write what you know. That was interesting advice that we were all given when we were starting out, right? But right. You know, write what you know is relative. Once you've researched it, you also know it. So what are we talking about? Right. right. <laughs> you know? So it, it, it's, 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 I, I think, think it was a, I think it came from a place of, you know, really thinking about women should write books for women. You know, men should write this, like this gunslinger thing you're talking about. That's not something I should want to read or want to write, which is garbage. That's ridiculous. Mm. Of course I want to write, read that. I don't know if I want to write it, but that's just because I don't like Westerns, but I might enjoy the story if you made it, you know, weird and dark and creepy, Yeah. you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's uh, antiquated, old, outdated, you know? Yeah. And I would, yeah. I would say like a teacher that tells that to their students, I would go a bit further and say uh, that to me, that to me tells me that they don't have a whole lot of faith. In, mm -hmm. in, the, in the ability of their students don't don't tell don't tell your students that like you know well, write you what know you're what? interested in how about that right what okay. are you interested in something right. okay well like research it learn about mm -hmm. it become an expert right. and then you're right then you know that that's but if, it that's but it. if it's just a matter of uh well i think the the typical definition is you know write your experience i think that's what it yeah. you know generally is supposed to mean like okay well i was a uh you know, uh, uh, I was a, a welder uh, for that summer in '87, uh, so uh, <laughs> I can uh, write about being a welder. Right, this is a really <laughs> polarizing subject, believe it or not. I mean, because it, it can go all these. This whole concept of own voices is this: write what you know. Right. So don't take someone's experience and and write it or use it for your work. But I, that is a limiting mindset. 
right? Mm -hmm. And it, it really only allows you to write about the surrounding world. And as writers, as authors, we're supposed to go outside and experience life yeah. and have that show up in our writing. So right. if I go to another city, sit in the middle of the town square, just because I'm in that city, right? It could be three hours away from my house, whatever. And I'm just going and watching. That's not my experience, but it's a city that I'm watching and looking. I saw somebody feeding the birds. I see somebody talking to themselves on the bench. This is every city you'll see this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, am I not to write that because I found it from X city as opposed to my city? That's ridiculous. That's nonsense. Mm. You have and what if to you expand your horizons. And if you right. don't, your work will show that and you become, you also become outdated. And mm -hmm. so. Right, exactly. And I think that it's, um, also, it just it enriches you as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, you should never stop learning. So, um, you know, I, I I'll, I'll never forget. You know, I had this really great um, English teacher in, in my senior year of high school, Mr. Creatia, and he was um, he was he was one of my favorite teachers that I had in high school. And he was he was uh, a very frank man, and he would say things like, um, "I'm not the smartest person." He's like, I'm, I'm not particularly that intelligent. Uh, what I am is, is educated. He's like, mm -hmm. I, you know, and you don't hear teachers say stuff like this. He's like, right. but his point is like, he's like, you can do it too. Like, you know, don't be down on yourself or something. If you want to go learn something, you should go learn it and um, never stop. He's like, I, I don't, uh, I will never know it all. And I'm I'm always going to keep trying, and I'll never get there. And uh, until the day I die, I, I will keep learning new stuff. And anyway, so I, I I think I think that's just pretty cool. And I think that um, touting research as a as a concept is awesome. So I applaud you on that. And uh, and I think that other writers who might be listening should um, you know should should do the research as well. They have to do the research, and it's not you know. When I talk to my students, I tell them that some words sound terrible to our ears. When I was in school, funny because I'm an English teacher, right? But when I was in school, the word essay used to completely freak me out. I mean, my mm. palms would sweat, <laughs> which is hilarious. That's got nominated for the essays. <laughs> That's hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> I should go. If I could find this one, it was a substitute teacher to top it off. His name was Mr. Kachajian. And I'll never forget him. He was there for like, it was like a long-term subbing. So he must've been like almost my entire, golly, was that my sophomore year in high school? I think so. Almost the whole term. And, you know, he was the one who like, similar to your English teacher, was just like, you know, write what you can do. Let's do this. Let's push our limits. All that kind of stuff. Really, mm -hmm. really, really encouraging. And, um, but he knew, don't say essay to me. Like, just use another word, please. And don't tell me that there needs to be an outline. I mean, I'm a pantser. I still don't want to hear the word outline. Like, I literally get frustrated <laughs> when I even think I have to do that. I feel like it's really hot and my whole skin is like, no. But, you know, these words are triggers. You know, we didn't have a term for that. That wasn't what we said back in the day. We didn't say triggers in the 90s or 80s. I'm being charitable. In the 80s when I was in high school. We didn't say triggers. But they are. You know, and and when we when we get our you know hang our hat on these things and say, oh, I can't write an essay because I, I don't know how to you know I don't know what goes into an essay. I don't know how to construct one. Oh, I can't do an outline because I don't know how to format one. 
then we tell ourselves we just can't do the project in general. This is yeah, what, you're psyching yourself right out. Completely. This is why, you know, mid-year this year, I had something truly fantastic happen to me. Not that this thing isn't, it totally is, but like the, the, a, a mind-blowing moment that I never, like I literally didn't see it coming. Can you, can you share it? Oh, I'm going to, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, you, okay. You, seen it. You, you saw it. We, I think we talked about it, but we might not have, but I know you saw it. And I, was I did see it. Here. The listening but, audience, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it was something I didn't see coming because I, not it's not a trigger word, but I mean, life shows you certain things, right? So I'll say it and then we'll talk about it. In the middle of the year, I found out that I'm going to be archived at, you know, at Pitt for their horror studies collection. Someone literally is going to take like my papers when they sent me the notices about my papers. I'm like, what? <laughs> my wife? Like, there's a trigger word. It triggers a whole different sort of emotion. It's like, oh my God, my papers. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I have papers. That's right. <laughs> Posterity, that here you come. Papers. That means, you know, my printed out notes with red ink, scratch it out and stuff and <laughs> scrawl across the page. It's literally my editing, you know, whatever edits I've done to my work and mm -hmm. any whatever documents I kept over the, you know, <laughs> 30 years of writing. And it's going to be collected like forever, forever in a library, a university library. Like this is like that. that is James Baldwin, Toni Morrison type stuff. Right. That's not. Elmerie Wood type stuff. Oh, it, what? Uh, it. Yeah, it is. It is yeah, now, it is. right? I mean, I'm just getting yeah, around to actually being able to like get my <laughs> head wrapped around that. I can't yeah. believe. And what's amazing to me is that this is a pantser who can't stand the word essay, who you know, literally <laughs> still old school types up her her manuscript in in you know just a regular word document. Talks in the third mark. person, all sorts of stuff. And they all yeah every now and then, and then marks it up in red with red ink, and then types <laughs> it all back in like what? I mean that's almost like handwriting it. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I should pull up my typewriter. It sounds so super like old, but this is me, and if I can get archived you know what i'm saying if someone yeah. thinks okay you, the way you're doing it is fine there's nothing wrong with that and so for anyone that comes 300 years from now and says you know oh my gosh i hate outlining i need to see an example of someone that found success doing it because everybody who outlines says that's the only way to be well here here i actually am 300 years later like that right. blows my mind i can't it's... tell you beyond belief i cannot express how important that is to me because I did this the yeah. way I do it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't change my writing style to try right. and fit any norm. I didn't, you know, I still don't like the word essay yet. I'm, I, I teach people how to write essays and I earned my PhD, had to write an essay for that too. Didn't want to, but did it right. right. <laughs> A big old essay, huge. The dissertation is like big for no good reason. And you know, it, it, it got done. But I still had these trigger words. I still am a pantser. I'm still all these other things. So I, I think that from, from my perspective, like as, as, to loop it back around with my two essays that are in, you know, on the final ballot, you're seeing one that's about women and you see one that's about African-American people. So I did that about me too. Both of them <laughs> are about me. And my message the one that I hope will stick for, for the long term is that you can be you 
and still be successful. That was kind of poignant. I loved it. Yeah, no, that was that was that was good. Right? I didn't just know just ask. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you want to know about outlines? You ask the pantser. That's right. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, the term pantser is a, a like a, a writer term that we use that means um, you're writing by the you're flying by the seat of your pants. So basically, exactly. you don't have a, a huge plan or like you were saying, an outline. You, some people will, you know, it, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just a personal preference. But some people will literally write out every chapter and and figure out exactly how the book is going to go. And then they stick to that and then they finish it and they move on to the next thing. And some people uh lisa myself mm -hmm. we tend to be uh pantsers which you know means um yeah you have a basic sort of idea of kind of some trajectory but you kind of figure it out as you go and you discover things along the way that you didn't mm -hmm. plan originally and i think that personally is the best part of it yeah. um, and i feel like every best chapter i've ever written in my life was not planned at the beginning so right um, right yeah, I love it when I meet a character for the first time and I'm like, oh, where'd you come from? You know, really? All right. This is what we're going to do. Let's go. I mean, because I like to be surprised. Yeah. If you if I don't surprise myself, then I can't imagine I've surprised anybody else. You know, just like if I can't scare myself because I'm a little chicken, I can be chicken. So if I cannot scare my own self, then what in the world? It can't be that frightening. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I would say the surprise thing is is definitely something that I uh, I've always uh, had in the back of my mind. Always do have in the back of my mind, I should say, as a, as I'm writing something. If something feels a little bit too obvious, or I'm like, oh gee, where should I go next? Well, probably here. That's the place I'm not going to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Because because everybody's going to assume that. So and some oh. people can write that out on notes, uh, index cards, and sticky mm -hmm. notes, and move them around. And I truly, the the organization is amazing. It is I mean, I've watched that in action before, and I, of course, with the sweaty palms, because I was like, "This is too much. This is too much." But they were having a fantastic time sorting it out, and I was in awe. I just kept thinking, "Don't turn around and ask me to do that," because no, no, <laughs> that can't happen. But if you, the key is, you mentioned it a minute ago, there's no right or wrong way, like at all. You do right. the right thing for you. No right. one can write your novel or story or essay or whatever. No one can write that for you. You have to come out with that, you know, whatever that creativity is. So some people have a combination of uh, outlining and pantsing. I don't know what that word is. No one's made a, a term for that yet, I don't think. But... You know, there's no <laughs> but if if it, whatever works works, right? If you write a, a note on your hand and take then take a picture of it because you know you're about to wash your hand and you look at that picture, what's wrong with that? If you end up using the note, even if you don't, who cares? It helped you while you were thinking about your story, and that's what's important. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, whatever gets you there, basically mm -hmm. is. <laughs> I mean, really, whatever mm -hmm. gets you there. Um, and uh, it is it is interesting uh, to discover that uh, about yourself, to discover that along the way, you know, if you're a new writer or whatever, um, and you're not you're not really sure. And you know, I've I've tried both ways. I, I I originally started out trying to do outlines, and I just couldn't stick. You know what would happen with me? I would write an outline, and the outline would start to become the prose. Like, yes, I'd get like the first 
two, three, four chapters, I could do bullets or something. And then there was like, it went from having like three bullets to having like 12 bullets. And then it was like, the bullets were just sentences. And then there was dialogue in the bullets. And then like, I'm like, this is not working. I just should write this. Like, it's just not working. It doesn't work for me personally. So. And you'll know. Had to find that out. Had to find that out. You definitely had to. I mean, I found out in school that I didn't like it. Yeah, because in school, they require you to write outlines, at least back in the day. I don't know what's happening now, but back in the day, and I mean legit back in the day, they I don't know required if, outlines. I don't know if the kids are wearing pants today, but back, <laughs> back in my day, you couldn't leave the house without them. You I know, mean, I was, it was a big deal. It might, that's looking like a rule. You, but yeah. There's no requirement for the pants to be on the hips, apparently. There's still, it doesn't matter. There's no belt needed. <laughs> as long as you have them. That's you have really to have it. pants, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so for sure. Uh, yeah, th- uh, awesome stuff. I mean, uh, <laughs> I just I just love, I love talking shop with, uh, with another author and, uh, you know, it's 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 just interesting. Like everybody does it different, but we all have so many things that are shared as well, mm-hmm. and um, it's fun fun stuff. I don't know. You know, hopefully it's fun to listen to as well. Retroids. I don't know how we doing. How we doing? Okay. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, you are here to promote a couple of books, so um, this is also really cool. So as I as I alluded to, you have two books out. Mm-hmm. They just came out. Uh, the first one is called The Open Book, and the second one is called Tales of Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to talk about your books, Lisa? I would love to talk about these books. They're fun. Let's do it. I mean, to be honest, they're just kind of fun. The Open Book is a novella, but what's happening here is that people, oh, let, me, let, me, let me say it differently. People are dying and you know the good people who are being written about in the open book are dying when they read the stories that are found in the tales of time so interesting if you're tough enough you read the tales of time and see what's killing everybody else but you know all depends on what you want to do so really it's like tales of time is the meta book within a book uh-huh. Like there's exactly. a movie within a movie or something, and there this is the go. itchy and scratchy, and <laughs> and the open book is The Simpsons. Yes, yes. Interestingly enough, yes, <laughs> that's correct. Gotcha. Oh my God, that's funny. I never would have said that myself at all. But there you go. <laughs> you could also go. You could also go. Angels with dirty souls and Home Alone, if you want. Oh but my that's goodness. a that's a little nice bit. You know. Yeah. You know, nice one. Yeah, you filthy animal. Yeah. You filthy animal. Yeah. No, nice one. Yeah, no, thanks. I, mean, I appreciate it. I never thought about anything like that. This is my first um, short story collection, The Tales of Time. is my first short story collection in, hmm, what, 10 years? Something yeah. like that. 10 years. And I wanted to do something different because I had this really neat, you know, story idea. It's kind of like, oh, you know what? Like the creep show movies or the anthology mm-hmm. movies that kind of had webbing yeah. in between. And I was like, I have an idea for that. I'd love to come up with something cool. And then it just hit me one day. I'm like, what are you talking about? Just figure out how to weave in those stories and then you got it. So nice. Yeah, it's killing these poor folks though. I mean, if you what's interesting <laughs> is I don't want to give away one point, but these folks here, I feel sorry for them. I had to read it and find out what was happening. <laughs> and I you're gonna read us a story from Tales of Time, right? I, I'm Tales the I'm the one who survived to write down the tales in their entire Oh, you're the one. <laughs> Well, somebody had to, otherwise you wouldn't even know it's there. Somebody had to. Um, 
Yeah, interesting. So you had never written a short story, obviously. Uh, well, a short story collection. Obviously, you've written short stories, plenty of them. Um, well, now, I hadn't written one in ten years. This is my oh, wow. technically my fourth. Why am I having a hard time adding these up? Okay, so early two thousands, I had uh, two. Because you're very prolific, Lisa. That's I, I, why I am. I've got just. A, I think. What am I at? Two hundred short stories now. Wow. So that's pretty doggone cool. I love that. I mean, <clears> I hear that, see that number. I'm like, what? Because, but again, some of some it's folks again, doing it the way you do it, right? I, a short story really is a short story to me. I am not a fan of those really, I mean, you can go up to 7,500 words and still be called a short story. And I'm not a fan of that. That's not a short story to me. That's like, you nearly, why don't you just write the novella at this point? So, and I'm not knocking anybody who does it. That's just, for me, it's not the way it is. I, my sweet spot is like 850 words to 1200 words. So okay. I literally mean short story, <laughs> right? And um, I had, I had two collections. My first one, Caligony came out in 2004. And my next one, Phantasma, I want to say it was 2005. And then I didn't write anymore. Had another one come out in relative obscurity in 2012. Literally, I think I bought it, my mom bought it, and that's it. And then, so what's interesting about that is that those three works will be collected at the end of this year. And we'll be having that come out for my main publisher, Cedar Grove. So hopefully those will come to light. You know, we don't have any issues in terms of getting it out in October as planned. So that's a... I'm saying that now. I have not written that down anywhere. So now you're hearing it first, folks. But well, you're, um, you're singing it now. Yeah, I am. I am. But you know, we'll see. That well, they will come to light in October, you know. Mm -hmm. Um again. So they'll see the light again, I should say. But this is my first one since 2012, Tales wow. of Time. So it's kind of exciting. And I've been, you know, writing them, but not uh, just subbing them individually and having them published, but I hadn't made a put together a collection. So this is the first one in a while. Kind of very cool yeah. very cool it's interesting i i uh am just on the did you just sneeze i coughed god bless you anyway <laughs> just in case um i i also have a uh short story collection coming out and and the western one is going to be another short story collection so i never meant to be a short story guy mm -hmm. um because i put out three novels but like i don't know it, it i did not at all plan on two books in a row being short story books but um it looks like that's what's going to happen so it's weird <laughs> but it's mm -hmm. kind of fun mm -hmm. i love short stories uh, mine tend to be more in the seven thousand and up uh oh, range, okay but so you like long short stories <laughs> medium medium stories because you can't call them like even a novelette has to be like i think twenty thousand words or something seven, i mean every something like that yeah it's got to be big it's got to be longer than what you would expect Mm -hmm. Right, right. So, you know, it's, uh, it, but you know, it is what it is, but it's all short stuff. I, I tend to like, personally, I tend to like shorter stuff. I tend to like, even with my novels that I read, I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy shorter stuff that's like, like 200, 200 words is awesome. 300 mm -hmm. words, sure. You know, if like these thousand page books that like Stephen King, King writes, I don't have patience for them anymore. I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know. My mind wanders too much. In like internally, I, I start thinking about my own stuff. Like, mm -hmm. some I'll read something and I'll be like, "Oh, you know what he could have done? He could have mm -hmm. done this." And then I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm not even reading this anymore." Exactly. Um, I really, and you know, that could just be a, a character flaw for myself. <laughs> but you know, it's just uh, it's just preference, and mm -hmm. uh, I I really enjoy like Audible 
if it's like eight, eight to nine hours is like perfection. Mm. If it's like 13 hours now, I'm like, oh boy. Oh, it's really good. They're, it was 13 hours. I mean, I think 11 hours doesn't bug me so much, but I do wonder what's what took it to 11 hours. So it has to just be good. I don't know. Mm. But fantasy yeah. books really, I mean, they will write some. Oh my oh. God, I know. And I, I mean, I, I think back to when I read all the Game of Thrones and, you know, reading like, you know, Stephen King books. Like all the, I read, I've read all the Dark Towers and they're, they're so long. Yeah. The stand is like, how many pages? I know the stand is over a thousand. Uh, a couple yeah. of the Dark Tower books are over a thousand. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. Salem's Lot is pretty long too. It, it is. is it is very long. It is over a thousand, I believe. Um, I'm like, I, I just I, it, at this point in life, for some reason, I don't want endless. Like so many people are like, give me the sixteen book series. It's yeah. all I want. I want a million hours, and it's like not for me. I just, I just prefer to, because I, I'm sick of, I'm sick of padding. I'm sick of endless meandering around a world. I want a good story. And to me, a good story happens in a, a shorter amount of time. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think you can write a 1200 word story, an 800 word story. And if you do a really good job, you're going to leave such an impact on the person because they never got a chance to you know, think about anything or anything else or have their mind wander or anything. They're like 100% like in it and then done. And then those are, those tend to be the ones that always anyway stuck with me personally. Um, you know, I don't know where I heard this first and I don't want to misquote that. I think it was Hemingway who wrote this really short thing and it was like for sale, baby shoes, never worn. How many words was that? You walk away with such, you don't know what, it could be so many things. Yep. And oh my God, if it's one thing, your heart is done. Yeah. <laughs> and when I read that years, it was years and years ago, I just remember being like, oh my God, that's like the perfect story. Because you don't know what happened. You think you know what happened. And if you happen to be right, you're busy grieving what you think might have happened. But what right. if it wasn't that? What if it wasn't that at all? You just don't know. Yeah, maybe they just bought too many. Right. It's and they forgot, or maybe they forgot about that one. They were like, oh my goodness. Uh, I ordered this from Amazon like six years ago and it just came in. Exactly. I mean, it could be anything or it could be the worst thing. But or it could be the other thing. Yeah. And it was like, what, five, six words? You do not always need. So right. many words. Right. <laughs> That's all I say about it. So um, no, no. you've written vampires. I've written vampires. Yeah. Um, briefly, can we talk about Dracula for one second? Absolutely. I love a vampire. So let's have it. Have you read Dracula, the novel? Yeah. Okay. Times. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I love it. It's, it's weird. It's, you know, famously, <laughs> it's famously weird in its style. Uh, mm -hmm. Frankenstein is weird too. Um, they both are part letter, uh, newspaper clipping, journal entry, novel, you know, it's, it's like all different stuff. Mm -hmm. Now I, I really, really love Dracula. However, personally, I think the book should have ended in castle Dracula when Dracula leaves and Jonathan Harker is trapped in the castle. Mm-hmm. To me, it is the most perfect, like, I guess, novelette. Mm 
it's right. it's, it's mm. not a short story, but you get that intro scene that everybody knows, which is the best the best scene in the whole entire book, any version of the movie, whatever you're talking mm. about for me personally when he has the dinner with Dracula, because that is the one scene that Dracula is actually truly a character. For the rest of the book, he's just a force of nature. He doesn't really have any lines or anything. He just kind of is an antagonistic force, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but in that first opening scene, he has all his lines. He's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, if, even if you think back to the, the Bela Lugosi version, he's like, oh, I don't drink wine, you know, and, <laughs> yes. you know, all the good lines. It's just from that one scene. And and what right. happens in, in the book is, you know, he keeps Jonathan there um, for uh, months, like half of a year, or quarter of a year or something. And he keeps forcing him to do things. He wants him to write these letters to, to home to tell them that he's fine and everything's good. And, and you have no idea what Dracula's end game is. And Jonathan has no idea what his end game is, but he's pretty sure that he's going to die. You know, he right. eventually gets to that point where he's like, okay, maybe something's weird. And then he tries to escape. And there are so many things that he does trying to escape the castle that are just never in the movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, like he he like goes out the window and goes into a different floor down below. He like makes himself right. a a rope out of the bed sheets and goes yeah. into this room and and he finds that there there are all these gypsies that are like you know yeah. helping helping Dracula like you know and he's like what are these people like he at first is hoping that they'll help him and then they're like no 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 dude we we work for the other guy and yeah. it's just it's just the most satisfying interesting downer ending piece and yeah. it absolutely feels like it's the end mm -hmm. and with the for the rest of the book even though i do enjoy it um it's like i, I love to th think of the like alternate universe where that is the entire thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well and, and much like you know. mentioned frankenstein frankenstein ends the way it should i think it, it on ends. the uh, on the ice yeah it, it, right just this is what's going to happen. I, now, I've, where are you going to go now? What are you going to do now? Dracula could have ended. And I think sometimes what we run into, especially back then, because you just kind of were telling this gothic story. Horror wasn't what, what it is now. We weren't thinking of it like that. It was just a dark, scary, spooky maybe, but not so much scary, spooky, creepy mm -hmm. sort of tale. And But with those... That is akin to a drama. We think horror because of what the villain may be or what the setting looks like, but that's more like a contemporary drama mm -hmm. if you think about it in storytelling. And as you know, contemporary dramas, just watch the movies. If you're not reading the books, it's going to go on. You're not sure what's, what's, what is the point at the end of this. And when you're done, you're not 100% sure what you learned or if the, what growth was supposed to happen, or like what happened, period. Forget all right. the rest of what we're saying. Just what happened here? What was I reading and what, what did I spend my time on? That's not a negative. That's, a, that's just the way that, that that style of, or that genre of writing goes. And that is really what Gothic horror was akin to in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now, once people realize, oh, I'm onto something with these castles. I'm onto something with this creepiness. I'm onto something with all this fog. You know, I can do something here. The storyline in and of itself was a little bit different. And then it could take you different places and, and work to creep you out, which is why psychological horror definitely has its roots in that, because it's just this unknown, the fully, you don't know what's going on. Um, Dracula has the benefit of being 
Well, it has the benefit of a vampire, someone drinking blood. And that was definitely related to what was happening in the world at the time. People would, you know, desecrate bodies because they were afraid that they would actually get up and suck blood. Like this was like a legit fear. So, (laughs) you know, you would see bodies buried face down. Like if you were to go dig them out now, which like, I don't know who's doing that, but people were. (laughs) Dig them out and you see bodies face down with their head, like in the, and their heads twisted. So the face is up, but the rest of the body was down. It's disgusting. Really. Some things were gross, but, um, <laughs> some things still are, some things still are gross. Definitely so. Yeah. But you know, I, I think that from a storytelling standpoint, it was more sensational to have this vampire and to have this, you know, this with the, the local lore, and have this one Vlad Tepes guy who is real who's doing some things that were interesting, you know, and we don't know what the connection is truly, but that's perfect. And ate a lot of kebabs, that guy. Oh, a lot of kebabs. You like to prepare them. So, you know, it just really the storytelling in and of itself was decent. It was unique for sure. Right. I mean, this whole letter style and all that. Very cool. But it, it, there's a little bit of meandering. Like, I I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I didn't find Jonathan Harker to be such a character that I was personally interested in to carry this whole book. So I didn't care to read all of his letters. They were killing me at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, no, I'm not, I don't want to read this. If you think about movie depictions, I think Bella Lugosi was cute. That's not. But if we do the Gary Oldman version, what was it, 96? Uh, Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula. Like, that's one. That, I think that is the best. I think it's 90. I think it's 90 or 91. And wherever he did it, it was like the absolute best. But even then, there's so many tweaks and turns to make that movie so good that have nothing to do with the book that you kind of wonder, you know, right. if you did, if you if you just did the book, we would we would have, you know, 20-minute episodes on television and or novella length work. Yeah, yeah. The Coppola version definitely gets more from the book in the on the screen than most other adaptations for sure they did they did add a lot of re a lot of romance stuff they added uh the whole subplot of you know uh mina being the reincarnated love of dracula and then you know it just became the fan it basically became what the phantom of the opera has become thanks to andrew lloyd weber because in the original there is no love story with christine and the freaking phantom jeez that's right that's right there they're not no he's undateable undateable right. completely if you, book, if you read the book you're like what's going on <laughs> like why is the movie there's like, no love story no 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 so no. i think he did that I, he just like went that that road down that road he's like okay we, we can do worked for the phantom but um you know i mean it, it it's a cool movie I, I it doesn't hold up for me as well but there are as as well as some of the other ones but I loved it at the time and I give it, I give it a lot of credit for a few different things. It's the only time we've seen um, one of my favorite parts in the novel is when um, uh, Lucy, who's the first girl that gets bit and she's gets sick and then she dies. Mm -hmm. Usually there's always a Lucy, but in the book, there was this whole section where she came back and she started killing kids. She was known. She was the blue for lady. And um, yeah, so she was uh, an awesome section i mean not a not a big section but no. all of the all of the heroes memorable, memorable very memorable i Holy mean like how I, I even <laughs> like i i even loved that in the book they there was a like because they call her the blue fur lady it's like b-l-o-o-f-e-r and one of the characters is like what is 
that mean? Mm-hmm. And then a different character is like, oh, well, they the papers are calling her that. And they think it's because supposedly she's killing these kids and some kids have seen her. And uh, they think it's their Cockney accents trying to say beautiful. She's the beautiful oh, lady. Oh, I forgot that part. Okay. And and the blue for lady is just never ever in there, but but she is in that. They gave her that Ooh. like her her death robes that like the frilly costume that they gave her. I mean, it's a, it's a bit much, but it's 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 a vision. She's gorgeous and she's she is scary gorgeous. and <laughs> awesome and I, I mean, I I literally just adore Lucy in that mm-hmm. movie. And uh, and also like the other characters, the other hero guys get to be in it. Usually they're not even there, like Doctor Seward mm-hmm. and um, uh, the American guy, the Texan guy, uh, John Morris, Jonathan. Yes, like John him. Morris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and he's played by Billy Campbell. Would have been cooler if it was Bruce Campbell, but hey, you know, whatever, Billy. I mean, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was Billy Campbell. I feel like it was Billy Campbell. Am I wrong? You're gonna make me look it up now. I don't even remember. I just know I liked him. So Dr. Seward was played by Richard E. Grant and he is always a treat. So um, that was awesome. But yeah, no, I mean, they, they actually made characters from the book be characters, which is pretty cool. And the whole point of course, is that they all become like the vampire killing squad at the end, which is fun that like, there's like a a, a superhero team basically. And um, it's, you know, anyway, it's usually never even in there, but anyway, so that's enough Dracula. I just wanted to, uh, to talk, about that for a second so we're all, we're at about an hour and i know you have a uh, a reading would you like to uh Before dive in i would love that but let me say this one thing i'm gonna sure. suggest a book for you since you're talking about dracula let's go back to the classics have you read the monk no it is a very depraved book you need to check that book out okay cause... it's a little long it's a little long but uh <laughs> is it is, is it old <laughs> It's very old. I want to say 1742. Like, okay, that's random. Why would I know that? Let me see if that's the actual <laughs> date. If that's like the actual date, I'm still trap. Matthew Lewis, the monk. Is that the right name? Yes, Matthew Lewis. Hold on. If I got 1742 right, Matthew Lewis, the monk. 1796. I was so uh, pretty close. <laughs> pretty yeah, close. Yeah, that book. You will, mm. so sometimes when I'm listening to Audible, because I love listening to books now, I mean, I don't know what's happening, but especially the classics, I will just let them be read to me as opposed to, you know, reading it myself. Um, what, the Turn of the Screw, I've, I've read that way or listened to, and it's one of my favorites. So I did the same with The Monk. And I'll do it while I'm doing a puzzle, if you can believe. So I'm yeah. relaxing. I'm enjoying myself. And I'm, oh, I just, good, you got it? Okay, good. I listened to this thing and I could, I just, I'm like, I can't do the puzzle. This guy's insane. What is happening? What is he doing that? I would rewind and go, did he really just say that? It's just amazing writing. It is so off the cut. Like I cannot believe that this thing, (laughs) that this book was published. I don't even know that it can get published today. Wow. Yeah. I don't. That, that is that is pretty old. You've read Carmilla, I assume, by Lefemme. I have. Oh, that's good. I love that one. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm going to make a, a recent recommendation. It's a uh, book that came out, uh, I think, in 2022 or maybe 21. Uh, do you know Jonathan Jans? I don't. Uh, so please um, 
let's let's each trade an audible i just got the monk you should definitely uh get the dismembered by jonathan jans it's not especially long it is it is the perfect length that is exactly as long as it needs to be and it's it's a gothic throwback it is 100 written as a gothic novel the little novelette or novella i guess it's great uh the dismembered amazing stuff i i adored it actually i liked it probably more than anything i've written read in a, a few years i really actually kind of adored it i really really did but anyway really? good good gothic stuff written in the the modern age by jonathan jans who's a really nice guy that's what my wife says i don't know if she's met him she says he's a nice guy i've never met the guy I, but my wife she knows nice guys she she married she me nice so you know. All right. Well, I'm downloading it myself. The Dismember Success. Awesome cover too. Show. My God, I, I love the cover of that book. Oh my God. So perfect. Oh, I see it now. Oh, that is beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Anyway, yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, we just traded. So actually, last time we traded movies. I don't know if you watched my recommendation, but I did watch your recommendation, which is your favorite movie of all time, oh. Angel Eyes. Angel Heart. Angel Heart. Angel Heart. Right. Yes. With Mickey. Mickey Rourke. Angel yes, Heart, it's right. his best role. I um, did you think that? Um, I mean, I I really like Sin City, but I mean, I guess that's probably stupid to hear. But I mean, I oh. love him in that. But um, he was great in it. He was. I mean, he was a. He looked like he looks like a different human. First of all, he does. He does. He looks well. He looked like, the way he looked. The way he looked. I mean, that's what I remember him looking like. You know what I mean? I was kind of. He was amazing. That, to me, that's him in his prime. He did mm -hmm. fantastic. Oh, such a good movie. And a very, um, a, a very subtle depiction of the devil too by De Niro, which surprised me. I didn't know he was even in the movie, and mm -hmm. it's a you know a pretty young, pretty young De Niro. It's you know in the eighties, and uh, yeah, he he did a pretty good job. I can't remember what his name is. He's like, Lewis he's got Cipher. a cool Lewis Cipher. Yeah, he has a cool name. <laughs> And like Lucifer, yeah, I got mm -hmm. it. Yeah, no, he's he's cool. It's it's a it's a good movie that has a really good twist ending that I won't give away, and uh, I did really enjoy it. I'm so glad you watched it. It's yes. like one of those movies that people don't think about anymore. And at the same time, it's the book is it's almost it's not true to the book exactly, but it's really close. It's an amazing book. Just. To me, great work. That I love psychological horror. You know, that's what mm -hmm. I write. So when I write it, I read it, I watch it. So it was just fantastic. Really and fantastic. I, I think it's a difficult thing. You don't, you don't actually see this too much. When, when a, uh, and I, again, I'm not going to give the twist away. I'll just speak about it in like broad strokes. But basically, uh, the idea of the main character being a skeptic and. Uh, the way that the story is told, you are 100% behind that skepticism. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. You know, you're 100% with the main character. You're like, absolutely, totally. Yeah, everybody else is crazy. This this guy knows what's going on. Right. And then oh, and then they, then they flip it. And, mm -hmm. and you're like, wow. Like, it because it, it, it literally proves that the writer has you wrapped around their finger. Like, totally. <laughs> You know, you're just you're just their bitch. You're like, well, uh, okay. Um, you, uh, mm -hmm. How high do you want me to jump now? Oh, how exactly. And you end up getting tied up in all these little side storylines that are not nearly as important. Oh, well, they kind of it's mind blowing. 
what you do when you sit after you've been slapped in the face by this thing. Mm-hmm. And you sit back and say, oh my God, but wait a minute. <laughs> that means that and you just, you're so like blown away. It is, ah, every time I watch it, I see or hear something new. Like the last time I watched it, which might've been, oh, November of last year, I heard something I hadn't heard before. I was like, what? I've watched this movie so many times. It's at the very beginning. There's like a whispering at the beginning. I don't want to give it away Hmm. because it's actually important, but I never heard it until just, I'm like, what in the world? I've been watching this movie since it came out in the eighties. Like what in the world? So yeah, just really, really good. So Angel Heart. And, uh, and just, just a, a quick reminder. Mine was the old dark house, which is, just the the movie I recommend to absolutely everybody. So it's 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 not a big deal. But the old Dark House, nineteen thirty five, Boris Karloff's in it, and he's he's credited as just simply Karloff at mm-hmm. that point. Um, it's just it's just kind of my favorite movie. But um, thank it you is for the a, reminder. I it wrote is an, it down. I'm writing it down again. I don't know it is an I'm early saying. it is an early old Dark House movie. So it's called the old dark house, but it's also the name of the, the subgenre, which is just basically haunted house movies, murder mystery in an old haunted house, reading of the will, uh, portraits with eyeballs that move, uh, secret oh, passageways behind bookcases. These are old dark house movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lot, lots of them out there. It got kind of bigger in the forties, the but they started earlier. Uh, the, the cat in the canary is, I believe the first one that you can still see easily. But the Cat in the Canary is also fantastic. It's silent. It's 1926, I think. I think oh. it came out one year before Phantom. I think. Oh wow! It's it's there. It's really close to Phantom, the original mm-hmm. Phantom. But anyway, both are fantastic. I love old Dark House movies, but I don't know. There's just something about uh, that old Dark House with Karloff because um, there is a 1941 version with Bob Hope, and that is not the one. Not the one. Skip that one all you want. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, it's, I, it's, I wrote that one down. It's the one with Karloff. But anyway. Um, okay. So anyway. Just saying. So uh, yeah, let's get to your reading. So you have a story from your book, Tales of Time. Yeah. And I, uh, I would love for you to take your time with it and read it. And we will just, we'll just hang out and be enthralled. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. So the story I'm reading is from the Tales of Time and it's called Upperville. Okay, let's get started. Upperville, the town where all the inhabitants are family. The town where nobody leaves because the world doesn't exist past the city limits. The town I'm from. Getting out was always a priority for me. The streams that border the town, the well that stood in our backyard, all smelled stagnant to me, like rot, like death. I didn't want to be consumed, to be sucked into the very ground like it was quicksand or the hungry mouth of a Venus flytrap. I didn't want to live and die only knowing Upperville's monotony with its white picket fences and its picturesque winding roads. Upperville, the sleepy hollow less than an hour from the city it had been called in some magazine years ago. To me, it was more like Upperville, the town of the damned. So I left. I jumped on 66 and made for the city, Washington, D.C. 
I even wrote an article about it, one of my first features at the paper before I got moved up. The decline of rural America, I called it, proudly typing Susan McCoy in the byline. I had to rewrite it so it didn't smack of Upperville bashing, not because I cared what people thought about me back home. I didn't think they would get the paper anyway. And if they did, they wouldn't read it. But because I wanted to make a good impression at my new job. When the paper came out, there were grumblings. Mother said in her usual, oh, I just happened to hear it way. But there were always grumblings, at least as far as I was concerned. People never, people never seemed to like me or the things I did. Mother said it had more to do with her than it did with me, but she would never explain that. And she would never leave, no matter how much I begged. She said she was bound to the land, just like my soul was bound to be free. I never listened when she started talking that way. Instead, it strengthened my determination to get out. If that's what Upperville did to you, I didn't want any part of it. Sometimes mother acted as kooky as the rest of them did. I was not going to let that happen to me. Ugh, I hate Upperville with a passion. And now I'm going back. Even my mother's death hadn't brought me back to Supperville. I had her body shipped to D.C. and forced anyone who wanted to pay their respects to leave their comfort zones and come to me. No one did. I found out later they held an informal service over my mother's body at the morgue. The coroner had lived in Upperville all his life, so even though it was against the rules, he lit a candle in front of my mother's body on a slab along with the rest of them. But now Bobby Zucker was dead. I had to go back. The drive was over before I knew it. Memories of Bobby and me stealing kisses behind the school and copping fields in the cab of his father's pickup flooded, flooded my mind, wiping away the road and replacing it with his face. He was my first kiss, my first lover, my first love. I lived and breathed him until I left for college. He stayed behind to work at his father's hardware store. I begged him to come with me, to leave Upperville and start a life with me in the city, but he didn't. As the years passed and mother told me about Bobby's life, sending me the invitation Bobby gave her for his wedding to Mary Lou Kramer, a cowgirl if there ever was one, giving me baby pictures when his children were born. I couldn't believe I had been so wrong about him. He wasn't the person I thought he was, wasn't the free spirit who thought for himself and did what he wanted to do in life. He was just like the rest of them in Upperville, a drone. But I never forgot about him. Even with all the dating I did, all the near misses, I never forgot about Bobby. I always wondered what it would have been like had he left Upperville and come with me. He might have been a lawyer like he wanted to be. He might have had a successful practice in Northwest D.C. He might have been a real player. We might have been happy. But now he's dead. 
Carlene, my mother's best friend, and the only other person in Upperville who knew how to reach me, said that he fell from a ladder and hit his head. She said he never regained consciousness, using a sympathetic tone that made it seem like it was for the best. But it wasn't. The Bobby I knew would have wanted to wake up and say goodbye to his family and friends, would have wanted one last moment to see the sun from his window. But I kept that to myself. There was no sense in upsetting Carlene's Uppervillian logic, her untested, all-knowing sensibility. Damn him for making me come back. Damn him for not coming with me. The main road, aptly named Main Street, looked the same as it had when I took, when I took it out of town 21 years ago. Same old stores, looking the worse for wear in the diminishing light. The same old church at the end of the badly pocked street. People went about their normal routine as I drove by, talking with each other in the entrance to the post office while scratching their oversized dirty overalls and plaid shirts and tipping their hat to the old woman who strolled past, doing nothing. I'd seen it all before. It hurt to think that Bobby had become one of them. The funeral home was off a side street with even more cars lined up than on Main. People had come to pay their respects. Bobby must have been well-liked, and why wouldn't he be? He was one of the most handsome kids in school, one of the most grounded people I had ever met. I bet he was a magnet, someone who the cowpokes wanted to be around. It made them feel better about themselves, and now that beacon was gone. That's what he was, wasn't he? A beacon? One that had called me back to a place I swore I'd never step foot in again. With a deep breath, I walked into the funeral home. It was suitably muted, as were most places like that. No sense in turning up the lights so you can see the death mask in plain view. I didn't recognize Carlene when she approached me. Susan, is that you? My God, you look so different. She cackled louder than she should have at a funeral home. Carlene, it's great to see you, I lied. I didn't care if I ever saw her again. Bobby was the only person I cared about in that godforsaken town, and now he was gone. Two other people milled behind her, openly listening to our exchange. Well, you remember Karen Whitetower and Vern Glover, don't you? I nodded my greeting, desperately wanting to get away from them. Well, I guess you're anxious to see Bobby then, she said, her face twisting in a sly smile. I know how close you two were. Something about her troubled me. He's right in there. She said, turning, turning my shoulders and nudging me towards the room where body lay. Go on, she urged, flashing her too sweet smile. The whole drive there, all I wanted to do was see him. See that Bobby was dead with my own eyes. But now that I was there, in the place where he was laid out, I was afraid. Seeing him would mean that it was really over. Everything we had ever shared was done, gone, finished. Even when he got married, I thought there might be a little something left, something we might grab onto later in life. 
But now that he was dead, there would be no chance of that. I was terrified. Go on, Susan, Carlene said, her voice more urgent this time. Go in and see Bobby. I started walking before I allowed my thoughts to register. Carlene's behavior, her expressions, everything about her bothered me. Why did she care if I went in to see Bobby? Why did it have to be so rushed? I brushed the concern away, chalking it up to my nervousness. I was, after all, at my first love's funeral. Maybe I was a little sensitive. I heard the whispering among the people who ringed the corridor. That's Lizzie's girl, isn't it? She ain't been back here for 20 years. Not even for her own mother's funeral. I looked to see who had made that comment, but no one met me eye to eye. Funeral? I had my mother's funeral in D.C. If they were talking about their cultish send-off in the morgue, fine. But they said funeral. Had they held a service that I missed? Anger welled within me, swirling inside my stomach. How dare they not let me know about something like that? Oh, I'll have to ask Carlene about that before I leave, I thought, as I turned their whispers around in my head. I approached Bobby's casket at a snail's pace. It was open, with a yellowish light shining on the place where Bobby's head should have rested. But he wasn't there. I didn't see what I expected to see. Bobby, with his eyes closed and the lids pulled a little too tightly over to look natural. Bobby, with makeup dusting his temples to cover the greenish-gray tint his flesh had taken in death. Bobby, whose glued lips looked nothing like the soft ones I had kissed so long ago. I picked up my pace, ignoring the voice in my head that insisted that Bob's body laid lower than usual, that his wife must have sprung for the deluxe model casket, high walls, plush satin and all. No casket is that deep, a stronger, more resilient version of my own voice admonished. He wasn't there. The casket was empty, its silk bedding untouched. As I turned to ask the nearest Upperville moron what was going on, I caught sight of a stocky man, about six foot tall, with dusty brown hair and twinkling brown eyes. Bobby. He was older, but I'd know his face anywhere. Bobby, what? I started to ask him. His smile spread into a wide grin as I shrank against the casket. I never saw who hit me in the back of the head, never felt the blow. The blood running down my neck felt warm, calming as I rested my head on the pillow and looked at Bobby. I didn't feel them hoist my legs over the side of the casket, didn't hear them laugh and jeer, condemning me for leaving as I bled out. Only the touch of Bobby's lips on mine registered. When he parted my lips and put his tongue in my mouth, I closed my eyes like I did when we were kids. And that is it. Thank you for listening to that. Yeah, thank you for reading it. Uh, I'm going to give you a shabibin for that. Uh, that's usually, that's our made up word. We, we usually, uh, we, like to, we like to pepper around 
sometimes if uh, something good happens, we uh, we like to have a good shabibin. And uh, I think you've earned it tonight. Um, awesome. <laughs> Thank that, you. That was, uh, that was great. Uh, yeah, so I guess there ain't no leaving Upperville, is there? Nope, nope. There's no leaving Upperville. We all know little towns like that. We know people just like Carlene, not so much like Bobby. God help us. I hope we don't. But mm. we, know, we know some people like that. And uh, that should make you think, you know, home yeah. home down. <laughs> yeah, that was creepy. That was good. I like, I also just personally enjoy stories that get creepy at the last second. Like that's because you're like, you're like, yeah, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. This is horror though. Right. Okay. Exactly. You're like, oh, oh. <laughs> Right. And right. there it is. Oh, there's no body. Wait a minute. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I love that. Turns on it. Turns on a heel on its heel at the last second. Now it's good stuff. Yeah. Before anybody has the chance to actually save themselves. Yep. I like right. That. <laughs> exactly. So that is from your book, Tales of Time, released just a couple weeks ago by Falstaff Books, yep. as well as its companion piece, which is the Open Book. Yes. So once again, the open book is The Simpsons and Tale of Time is Itchy and Scratchy. So if you if you want to read one or the other, you could, but really you want to get both for that meta experience. It's the book within the book. You know what else it's like? It's like reading the Necronomicon like it, and reading the Call of Cthulhu. It's like the, the Necronomicon is its own book you can also buy, uh -huh, uh -huh. basically. You, yeah, you've got it. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, 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 there's lots of things. Yeah. But yeah, awesome stuff. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. Thank this you for having like me again. It's an awesome. awesome time. Um, always great talking to you. And uh, I, uh, you know, you're welcome back anytime. Obviously, you put stuff out like every two seconds. So, like, basically. you know, yeah, basically every two seconds. Very prolific. Um, before we get out of here, uh, can you please tell our, our wonderful Retroids where they can find you and where they can purchase your your many fine, fine works. <laughs> well, you can find me at uh, www.elmariewood.com or on Twitter at elmariewood1, the number one, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elmariewood. And yes, I did take a class that says we're supposed to brand ourselves in that way, and I listened. So there you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, the books, you can find them on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You, if you're local, some of the local stores have them on the shelves of Barnes and Noble. You, you'd be lucky if you can catch one on the shelf, describe it there. I know Richmond, definitely. Um, Richmond, Virginia. Um, oh, Bookshop, cool. Target, Walmart, all sorts of places. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, that's awesome. Like, wow. You, you really like you're on the shelves. Like yes. of your local Barnes and Noble, just that's that's so that's so badass. You're so badass, Lisa. My God. You know, listen, I'm out here just trying. I'm just excited <laughs> that I'm trying, and people see me trying, and it's working out. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't always work out, but sometimes it does, and it's kind of exciting. <laughs> well, you're you're on the Stokers twice this year, so I just want to bring it back to that. We we mentioned at the top. And wish you the absolute best of luck. Um, you. Hopefully, you'll you'll bring home. Well, you can't bring home two. See, no. if you were in two different categories. I know. Can you imagine? I, I mean, know. I tried. I had like nine stories that were published last year. 
they didn't make it on, but the two nonfiction pieces did. So listen, hey, I'm excited. Awesome stuff. Love it. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, I will let you uh, out of the brig now and just uh, <laughs> be careful on your way up. Now, I did remove the, the spikes from the stairs just before the show because it's just, I, you know, I thought about it and it's mean. Sometimes we pee on the spikes and, you know, people get dysentery and they get bad infections. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm starting to feel bad. Like maybe it's not a good thing to do to people. I don't know. You know, we're, we're all works in progress, Lisa. And, uh, <laughs> well, I you know, appreciate you thinking about that before I got here. So thank you. Oh, for no problem. Me. No problem. Uh, cause we want you to come back. We want you to win the stoker and all that good stuff. Well guys, um, uh, I'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the brig. That wraps up the episode. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you enjoyed this week's bonus journey onto the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. I have been your host. My name's Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson, a.k.a. Steve of Destruction, though nobody calls me that. And it is indeed a sad thing that your adventures have ended here. Good night. Thank you so much. That was fun. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that was, uh, that was great. That was really great. So funny. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna end recording before you say some something nice. Okay. I'm gonna be tempted to put in the episode. Oh god. I don't know if it's supposed to be that much laughing in the brig, but it was just every time it's hilarious. Oh my god. For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.